go back to Daniel chapter 12 together. Last two sermons from Daniel, Lord willing. Next Sunday will be uh, kind of a, a survey of the whole book, not, not so much a, a review of the whole book, though it'll include a little bit of that. But what's the point of the whole book? How can we think about the entirety of Daniel as we wrap it up? So today we're going to wrap up the last chapter, the last verses. You've got the text on your handout. You'll want to follow along there. Over the past several weeks, we've studied several parts of Daniel chapter 12. We've talked about tribulation, about rapture, about the great rescue at the end of the tribulation, and and names written in God's book of life. We've talked about the resurrection of both the saved and the unsaved, the eternal destiny of the unsaved. In Bible study, we talk some about when you're going to get your resurrection body, the timing of the resurrection. Last Sunday, we talked about God's people shining in the last days, the way God uses the word. Um, We've talked about the, the, the persecution, the shattering of the holy people, the purification of God's people. So we've hit a lot of pieces of Daniel 12. What I haven't done is try to put it all together. So this morning, we're going to go straight through Daniel 12 to see it as a whole and to see how it ends with this very personal message for Daniel. It is a, a very tender and personal conclusion um, that I hope might be an encouragement to us this morning. But we'll begin back in chapter 12, verse 1, and remembering again that the first four verses of chapter 12 are the last four verses of the big final revelation that began back in chapter 11, verse 2. So if you've got a pen and you're using that handout, you can just kind of draw a line or in some other way, give yourself a visual reminder that there is a really significant break after chapter 12, verse 4. Remember also the last words of chapter 11. They hint about the coming of Jesus when they say very simply that the terrible final ruler will come to his end with none to help him. And that's because Jesus will come again. So now, chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, during the reign of the final terrible ruler, At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. So the archangel Michael, who has special responsibility for God's people. And so about three and a half years before the second coming of Jesus, Revelation 12 tells us that Michael rises up to wage war in the heavenly places against Satan. And so verse 1 continues, And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. So that last three and a half years will bring unprecedented trouble for Israel and the whole world. But, it says, at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. It seems there will be a great salvation among the Jews, maybe among Gentiles also at the very end of the tribulation, they will come in faith to Christ. Their names will be written in God's book and then Jesus will come again. So they will be spiritually delivered and then physically delivered immediately after that as well. It's a great rescue deliverance at the end of the tribulation. Verse two, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So the resurrection happens in conjunction with the second coming of Jesus. 
Now, there will probably be more than one stage of the resurrection, so it's not that it happens all at the exact same moment. But ultimately, every person will be resurrected to either everlasting life or everlasting shame and contempt. Verse 3, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So during those terrible final years, the people who listen to God's word, including the book of Daniel, will have God's wisdom. And so they'll be able to understand what's going on. And they're going to shine in the darkness like the stars that light up the night sky. Their testimony is going to turn other people to righteousness. And then they're going to, they're going to shine like suns in God's kingdom forever. Verse 4, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Until the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So those are the last words of the last big revelation to Daniel. And notice that they're very personal. Notice how verse 4 starts. But you, Daniel. So this angel who's bringing God's message is speaking very directly, naming Daniel, addressing Daniel. And I think that the meaning of verse 4 for Daniel, we've already talked about kind of the, the meaning of the verse in general, but in terms of what's being communicated to Daniel here, I think this is somewhere along the lines of what the New Testament says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, when it says, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. But you, Daniel, know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Remember how fun it was for Daniel to receive these prophecies. Do you remember? He kept passing out. (laughs) They kept having to try to get him back up. He felt like, I've got no strength. I can't do this. I can't handle this. I can't even look at you. It was really, really hard. Agonizing, confusing. Not to mention the fact that he often just didn't understand. We'll see that again in verse 8. And so in verse 4, when we put it together with verses 9 and 10, as we did earlier, I think the personal message from God to Daniel is, as hard as this has been, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Because in verse 4, we have a command, shut up the words and seal the book. And then in verse 9, it's worded as a promise. The words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. The revelations Daniel received through so much agony would not be in vain. God will preserve them until the time of the end. And as verse 4 says, people will be running to and fro trying to find answers. And knowledge will increase, partly because the book of Daniel will be there. And the rest of Scripture will be there, preserved and speaking the truth of God. The end of verse 10 says, the wise will understand. Because of God's preserved word, the wise will understand. The wise will be purified and refined. In other words, Daniel will keep serving the wise all the way to the very end. And so, Daniel, as we come to the end of this last big revelation, this last exhausting revelation, know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, with verse 4, the angel's message from God ends. So now, verse 5, Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream 
and one on that bank of the stream. All right, so it seems like a long time since we studied the beginning of chapter 10, which is what this is referring to. Remember, chapter 10 is all introduction for the big final revelation in chapter 11 and the beginning of chapter 12. So chapter 12, verse 5, connects back to chapter 10 and that introduction to this final revelation. So will you turn there with me? Will you turn back to the beginning of Daniel 10? And let's remind ourselves of how this began since we've done a lot of studying since the beginning of chapter 10. Daniel 10, verses 2 through 4. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is, the Tigris. All right, let's pause right there. Remember, Daniel was at this point in his probably mid-80s. And for three weeks, he had been mourning, fasting, praying, and seeking the Lord. And at the end of the three weeks, he is at the bank of the Tigris River, a few miles outside of Babylon to the east. Maybe he had left Babylon to go fast and pray, or maybe for some other reason he was out there on this day three weeks later. But regardless, he looks up above the river in verse 5, and we read this, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Now, there is admittedly disagreement between Christians about who this is. I am pretty strongly convinced that this is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Son of God, that any other explanation that, that, that to call this an angel does not fit with other things in Scripture. So I, you'll, I'm, I'm making that point now because later in this sermon, when I say Jesus talked to Daniel, you realize what I'm saying. I know that Jesus is the name given in the incarnation after he was born, but it gives us an easy way to refer to the Son of God. And it's very important in Daniel 12 to see that it's actually going to be the Son of God who's talking personally to Daniel as this book ends. So that, that's where that's coming from here in verses 5 and 6. Verse 7, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. That means he like he went white. Verse 9, Then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. Verse 10, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. 
And so from that point, through the rest of chapter 10, one or more angels come and they care for Daniel and they get him strengthened enough to be ready to handle the big final revelation that begins in chapter 11, verse 2, and runs through chapter 12, verse 4, and now back to chapter 12, verse 5. If you turn back over there, so Daniel's still in the same place. Verse 5, Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. Now, we're not told who these two others are. Maybe they're angels, uh, since all the other people seem to have left Daniel alone. But they stand on the two banks of the stream. Now, the word stream here is a little surprising. I don't know why it's that word. Um, But it's obvious that Daniel's still by the river Tigris. So that's got to be what it's referring to. Um, Because verse 6 says, And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. So that's the same Son of God. That's Jesus Christ above the Tigris River. And one of these other people or angels speaks to the Son of God. And so they ask him, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? Till, these, till the end of these startling things. They're probably remembering chapter 12, verse 1. A time of trouble such as never has been. And so they want to know, how long is that going to go for? Verse 7. And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. So remember, Daniel's listening in as the Son of God speaks, answering the questions from maybe these these angels or whomever they are. And there are two answers to their question. There is a time frame and there is a purpose. So first of all, these things will be finished in a time, times, and half a time. And that seems to correspond to other biblical references to this three and a half year time period of especially terrible tribulation before Jesus comes again. But then there's also a purpose that must be accomplished. You see it there? When it's in verse 7, when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end. And that phrase, the shattering of the power of the holy people, we've talked about it already. It could be understood in a few different ways. But one possibility is that it's referring to the way in which the great time of trouble brings Israel to a place of such humility that they, they're ready to turn to Jesus as their Messiah. And they do turn to him before he comes again, and it's too late. So that when he comes again, they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay, so remember where we're at here. The big revelation finishes in verse 4. And Daniel's reassured there that his labor is not in vain in the Lord. And then in verse 5, he sees two others above the stream And in verse 6, they ask this glorious man clothed in linen about how long these things will last. And the answer in verse 8 is a time frame of three and a half years and a purpose accomplished, the shattering of the power of the holy people. And then all these things would be finished. Now, in verse 8, Daniel, 
who's writing this, remember, speaks to us in the first person. This is very interesting. He says, I heard. Now he tells us what's going on in his head then. He says, I heard, but I did not understand. He could comprehend what was being said. He doesn't mean that. But there just wasn't enough information to understand exactly what it meant. These revelations about the last years before Jesus comes again aren't going to fully make sense until they happen. And so Daniel, he really says here what everybody who humbly studies Bible prophecy says in the end. I don't understand. Not that I don't understand any of it, but that in the end, I don't understand it all. I can't piece it together perfectly because God only told us what we needed to know. So what should Daniel do when he doesn't understand? What, what's he going to say next? And it's interesting that he doesn't say, tell me more details. Instead, he asks a really wise question in verse 8. Then I said, who's he talking to? Yeah, he's talking to Jesus Christ, to the pre-incarnate Son of God. Daniel says to him, Oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? Okay, so don't miss the, the, don't miss the moment. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm understanding it rightly, that this is the Son of God that Daniel's talking to. What did we just sing in our song service? We would see Jesus. Looking to him is where life and hope and all things come from. Looking to him is how we endure. And here the book of Daniel ends with Daniel looking to Christ and talking to him. Oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? So, God, what purpose are you accomplishing? What will the end result be? Lord Jesus, what are you doing? Where is all of this headed? That's a great question to ask. We may wish we could know more details, but the cry of our heart should be, what's the point? What's the outcome? Where is all of this headed? So what answer is Jesus going to give to Daniel? Well, we actually have to wait a little bit to get to the direct answer. Because first of all, in verse 9, he says, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. This means something like, Daniel, you're, you're, you're done with this big job and your labor has not been in vain. Even if you don't understand everything, God's word is going to be preserved until the time of the end so you can go your way. Verse 10, many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand because of the labor of Daniel and others. So you can go your way, Daniel, knowing that God has used you and God will use you through your words in the time of the end, the wise will understand. In other words, verses 9 and 10, together with verse 4, are communicating to Daniel, you have stored up for yourself treasure in heaven. You have served God's people. You have been faithful to the Lord's purposes. God is going to preserve these words and use them later. And we are here today in 2023, so 2,560 years after Daniel, as proof that God keeps his promises. Because for the last 13 months, what Daniel wrote and received has been nourishing us. Just like God was reassuring Daniel it would. Your labor is not 
in vain. Folks, this is the way it works. We labor by faith. We serve by faith. Not because we see immediate outcome, but because we trust God about what our lives should be invested in. We serve our family. We change diapers and clean mirrors and vacuum by faith. We work behind the scenes at church by faith. We parent and disciple and pastor and evangelize by faith. We work our jobs day to day as unto the Lord. We live out our lives for the Lord, never fully understanding what God is doing. Could you say in your life today, like Daniel said, could you say, I'm not sure I understand it all. What's going on in my story? What's going on in my life? How these pieces fit together? I don't get it all, Lord. But we know by faith that God knows what he's doing. And so we seek to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, never fully seeing why it matters until later. But your labor will not be in vain in the Lord. And Daniel is not in a separate category than you are. You know how I know that? Because the words I keep quoting from 1 Corinthians 15, 58 are in Corinthians. Remember that Corinthian church? They were a mess. And Paul says to the Corinthian church, God says to the Corinthians, your labor is not in vain in the Lord when you are steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And so that promise is for every one of us. It is for you. All right, let's get our bearings again. In verse 8, Daniel asked the glorious man in linen, what will be the outcome? The first part of the answer in verses 9 and 10 is that Daniel could go his way with a job well done, knowing that God was going to use it later. But then in verse 11, Jesus' answer to him continues with a surprising little burst of new information. Verse 11, And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. So verse 11 is talking about a specific moment during the tribulation when the terrible final ruler takes away the regular burnt offering in Jerusalem and he sets up the abomination that makes desolate. And this probably means that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. After those events, verse 11 says, there shall be 1,290 days. Well, 1,290 days until what? Well, probably till the second coming of Jesus. And then verse 12 says, blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. The book of Revelation refers to a time period of 1,260 days, which it says is three and a half years. So why do we have here 1,290 days and 1,335 days just beyond three and a half years? Well, there are many guesses. Lots of ink has been spilled here. Not really a way to reach a definitive answer. But no matter what, Daniel is in his mid to late 80s and he's not going to be alive to see those things. He's probably not going to live 1,335 days past this. So what's the point of these numbers in this personal message for Daniel? The point is in those first words of verse 12. 
Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. We have in Bible prophecy 1,260 days, 1,290 days, 1,335 days. And when you take the latest of those numbers, Jesus says, Blessed is he who waits and arrives. In other words, blessed is the one who endures. Now, I believe that these numbers have real, precise significance before Jesus comes again. They're not just symbolic. But for people like Daniel and us who may not live through those specific time periods, the lengthening numbers also teach us a principle of endurance. The waiting, when it says in verse 12, blessed is he who waits, you know, that's not passive waiting like twiddling your thumbs, waiting for 1,335 to get here. This is the active waiting that's referred to in the Old Testament. It's faithful, patient endurance while looking to God. Those years before Jesus comes again will require tremendous endurance, and those who endure to the end will be blessed. This is the same concept that in the book of Revelation is emphasized over and over and over again with the words, with the phrase, those who overcome or those who conquer. Remember, that's the promise to all seven churches in Revelation. And then that same thing comes up again at the end of the book of Revelation. Revelation 21, verse 7. The one who conquers or overcomes will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Daniel would not have to live through the 1,335 days. We might not have to either, but he and we have to live out our, the rest of our life here on earth waiting on God, patiently, hopefully, faithfully, enduring to the end. Now look at verse 13. Jesus says to Daniel, but go your way till the end. Now the end there probably refers to the end of Daniel's earthly life. Daniel, just finish well. Dear elderly Daniel, you're done with your primary labors, with your heaviest lifting, with your most challenging tasks from the Lord. Do you know you're going to probably hit that point someday? When you're still alive? but you know that your primary labors for the Lord are probably over. Your health has declined to a point where you're weakened and it's very difficult. Not that you cannot continue to love and serve and make a difference and pray, but your primary labors for the Lord will be over. Daniel, now you just need to finish well. Be faithful to the end of this earthly life. I know you don't understand everything. I know you can't yet see the fruit of your labors. But I've got all that in my safekeeping. And so you can just go your way now, Daniel, until the end. Just leave it all in my hands and finish well. That's the first phrase in verse 13. Now, as we finish verse 13, we come to the last words in the book of Daniel. Christ speaks directly to Daniel a very personal and tender and encouraging message. But I also believe that what we have at the end of verse 13 is the actual answer 
to Daniel's question in verse 8. Remember verse 8, Daniel had asked, what shall be the outcome of these things? And here I think is the, the actual answer. Verse 13, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Daniel's head is spinning. He's processed so much. He's handled so much. He's been overwhelmed by so much. What's, what's going to be the outcome of these things? And the answer is very personal, right for him. Daniel, here's the outcome. You're going to rest. And then you're going to stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. First, you shall rest. A day was coming soon when Daniel would rest from all of his earthly labors. The race would be run, the course completed, the finish line crossed. But Jesus didn't just say to Daniel, you shall be finished. He said, you shall rest. He had spent his entire life in very difficult situations. He had had a front row seat to the ugliness of godly governments for seven decades he had fought tremendous temptations, faced severe persecutions, had his life on the line multiple times, then endured difficult revelations, but rest was coming soon. Hebrews 3 and 4 tell us that our salvation blessings can be summed up as entering God's rest or a Sabbath rest for the people of God. A Sabbath rest is the rest at the end of a long period of work. Your earthly life is like six days of work. And then the eternal seventh day is coming when you rest. Now, that doesn't mean that we'll stop working and creating and serving, and we'll get to do all those things for eternity, and, and we'll love them. But all of the irritating, toilsome, frustrating, cursed, painful, pressured labors of this life will be over, and we will enter God's rest. Do you see the moment when the Son of God speaks to Daniel in his mid to late 80s? And, and, and well, when Daniel speaks to him and says, what's going to be the outcome of all this? And Jesus Christ looks him in the eye and says, Daniel, you are going to rest. The younger you are, the less meaningful that is to you. <laughs> Because you have not yet endured decade after decade after decade trying to seek to honor the Lord Jesus Christ when life is hard. But I guarantee you that the older you are, the more meaningful it is to read that little phrase, you shall rest, and to hear it from your Jesus to you. Your labor has not been in vain in the Lord, and you're going to get to rest. But rest is not the only outcome of these things because in verse 13, Daniel is also told, you will stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. This is great. A minute ago, we said that Daniel wouldn't live to see the end of the 1,335 days. That's true. He was old. He was going to die. And as a matter of fact, the 1,335 days apparently are still in the future. We might not live to see the end of those days. And yet, in another sense, Daniel will see the end of the 1,335 days because he's going to join in the resurrection. John Lennox writes, Daniel survived Babylon, he survived Medo-Persia, and he will eventually survive death itself. He'll be resurrected by Christ that he might stand in his allotted 
place. That's the Hebrew word that Israel used for the portions of the land that were designated to the various tribes and then to the families within those tribes. Here is your allotted place. And so here that picture is being used to promise Daniel his heavenly inheritance. You will not only rest from your toilsome earthly labors, but you will also receive your heavenly inheritance from God. As we learned earlier in Daniel, God's people are going to inherit God's kingdom. As we saw Jesus say last week, you're going to shine like a blazing sun in the kingdom of the Father. And he said, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And the author of Hebrews wrote, God will not be so unjust as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints. And Paul wrote, the Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So be steadfast and immovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. You see the two ideas there, rest and reward. And those two ideas are also found in a parallel in Revelation 14, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. So the word that the ESV translates labors there usually refers to toilsome, troubling, difficult work. That's the word in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your toilsome, difficult labors of this life. So Revelation 14, verse 13 says, the saints, the, the Spirit says, they are blessed indeed because they rest from the difficult labors of this life. But then the Spirit also says that they are blessed indeed because their deeds follow them. That doesn't mean that you have to do the toilsome stuff you did on earth in heaven. That means the fruit of your work on earth goes with you into eternity. Your works of faith, your service for the Lord is not empty. The fruit of your labors follows you into eternity for you have laid up for yourself treasure in heaven. So Daniel, having received so many hard and complicated and exhausting revelations, says, I don't understand it all. What's the outcome of these things? And the Son of God tenderly says, Daniel, you are not only going to rest, but when these earthly days end and eternity begins, you're going to stand as a resurrected, glorified man in your heavenly inheritance when this earthly story merges into God's eternal story. What a tender message for a weary old Yet I say again, Daniel is not in some special category apart from you. These promises at the end of Daniel 12 are paralleled by many promises in the New Testament that are for every faithful follower of Christ. Oh, how the Lord loves us and encourages us, for we are truly precious to him. And he's the one who also called us to good works, which he foreordained that we should walk in them. The one who gave us purpose that we might be steadfast and immovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. So what happens when you've been studying some Bible prophecy like Daniel? 
and you've reached the end, as we just did. But there are still some things you don't understand. Well, we study it the best we can. We understand it the best we can. But then, ultimately, this end of the book points the way forward for us, since Daniel didn't understand it all either. And so what we learn here is that we need to go our way. (laughs) Go back to daily faithfulness to God and focus on finishing well with our hearts set on God's beautiful promises. Take the truths we've learned about God and about the future from Bible prophecy and let those truths bring fresh joy and motivation for faithfulness and endurance today. Don't take the truths of Bible prophecy and leave them sitting in the future. Take the truths and bring them now to today and let them bring the Lord's joy for endurance today. Like Daniel, I mean, Dale Ralph Davis wrote, get back to your desk and filing cabinet, Daniel, and finish your day's work. Maybe you could say it like this. I don't understand every detail of these prophetic events, and I don't know whether I'll live to see any of these events. But I know what these things reveal about my God. I hear his promises. I know what the future holds for me in Christ. I know that no labor here in this earthly life is in vain in the Lord. And so I'm going to seek to walk humbly with my God in everyday faithfulness right here where he's called me today. I'm going to have to leave the unanswered things about the end times in God's hands. But I'm going to take what I've learned about God from these things and focus on everyday faithfulness right here. There's an example of this in Acts chapter 20. Later in Paul's ministry, as he says goodbye to the churches that he had planted, he says to the Ephesian elders, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm not sure what's going to happen to me, other than that in every city the Spirit's testifying to me that trouble's coming, (laughs) that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Now, I know Paul was talking about, Paul wasn't talking about Bible prophecy. He was talking about his specific situation. But it's not really that different from when we say, I understand the big picture of Bible prophecy. I get the basic outline, but I really don't know a lot about the details. That's what Paul was saying. The Spirit says trouble's coming, but I don't really know specifically what's going to happen when I get to Jerusalem. And then he said this next. It's on your notes, Acts 20, verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. It would be enough to just finish God's course for him. Now, What Paul didn't know at that point was that God was actually going to preserve his life for several more years. And so later he wrote in 2 Timothy 4, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me and Daniel, because we're so much better than everybody else. No. Which the Lord... The righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You don't have to figure out every detail of Bible prophecy to love the second coming of Jesus. 
And you don't have to figure out every detail of Bible prophecy to be motivated to everyday faithfulness right here. So can you picture yourself asking the glorious Christ, what's the outcome of all this? Dear Jesus, where's all this headed? What does all this mean? And he looks at you and he says, blessed are those who wait on me and arrive at the end. So go your way, finish the course, and then you're going to get to rest and stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Rejoice that your rest is coming, that your inheritance is secure. Then you can go back to your desk in your filing cabinet or your hammer and nails or your cows and pigs or your numbers and spreadsheets or your diapers and laundry. You can go back with joy, with everyday faithfulness. Finish your course looking unto Jesus just as Daniel was literally doing or at least in vision was doing. That was the Son of God. Looking unto Jesus, listening to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Let's pray. Father, I pray for those who are weary that this might be used by you to refresh their strength. I pray for those who are looking at their life and saying, I don't understand. I pray that this might reinvigorate their hope. I pray for those who are not abounding in the work of the Lord, but just living for the stuff of this life with no thought for eternal inheritance and treasure. I pray that this would stir them up to be steadfast and immovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. I pray for those who are elderly and worn from many years of seeking to serve you, for those who are physically failing regardless of their age, and again, worn from enduring under trial. I pray that this would lift their eyes to Jesus. Father, lift all of our eyes to the glorious Son of God and may it motivate, may He motivate everyday faithfulness. When the Spirit says, blessed indeed, would you allow our hearts by faith to rise up and say, amen, and to follow you in faithfulness today. I pray in Jesus' name.